0: I'm Spider-Man. 21 of Backseat Directors, the podcast dedicated to movie reviews and recommendations and where any of you can be a backseat director and co-host the show with me. And as always, I am your host, Andre Hutchins. Joining me today is a good friend and fellow podcaster here locally in Utah, Sean Bardales. Sean, how are you, my friend?
1: Yeah, how's it going, Andre? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show today.
0: Hey, well, thank you, man. Thank you. So Sean, Sean and I met actually over social media on Twitter, I think. And we realized that we both live in Utah. Uh, Sean, Sean's up in Taylorsville. I'm down in Provo. There's about 40 plus miles in between us. But uh, we've met up, we've gone to see a few movies, and uh, we went to go see one together this weekend. And that's the one we're going to talk about. But before that, Sean... Let's get, let's have our listeners get to know your podcast a little bit and, uh, what you do and how you got into it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it from here and let's talk about Real Bearded News for a sec.
1: Sure. Um, Real Bearded News started about two years ago, I think it was. Um, I am a big fan of movies and I wanted something where I could kind of criticize movies, but I wanted to make it a job. And, um, As you know, the industry here in Utah is very closed, and it's very hard to get into it. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought, well, what can I do? What are the things that I like? And I was like, well, I like criticizing things, and I like breaking things apart, and I like complaining about things. Um, And not only movies, but I'm a huge video game fan as well. So I was like, well, if I could combine the two. And this was actually, I was working for uh, a store called CEX. And that's where it actually like that was where it was born. So it was born like about four years ago when I was working for this company um, where we were actually going to do. I don't know if you've ever walked into GameStop recently where they have uh, a guy and a girl talking about like video games that are coming out and um, what they think about it. And also about six, seven, eight years ago, there was a, a TV show called X Play where uh, Morgan Webb and Adam Sessler would actually sit down and talk about these video games and talk to the developers. Yeah, I, like, I, I remember like, that show, yeah. Exactly. So I was like, I want to do something like this. So I brought it up to um, my district manager. He was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. The company's already thinking about something like that. Um, so there was a guy, my employee, who was a, a avid like filmmaker, and he was actually making an indie film at the same time. So we were supposed to link up together and do it before hours, before the store opened or after hours. Um, It never came to fruition, uh, unfortunately. So many years later, I'm like, I really want to do this. And I was like, wait, well, I had this concept back in CEX. So let me go ahead and do that now. Um, and then I just linked up with my best friend um, Ash and I was like, Hey, what do you think about doing it? He's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, and then if you've heard a couple of the episodes, especially E3, we link up with Van, which is actually part of another podcast, um, which I forgot. What is the name of his podcast? I'm terrible. I'm a terrible friend. Uh, <laughs> and um, we call him the angry Idiot because he held, he pretty much hates like almost every single movie. Um, And, yeah, that's where it just it just went off from there. And then we started figuring out or I started figuring out how to get into movies and video games and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. And, and Sean, I'll give you a chance at the end of our episode too to make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you and a hold of your podcast because uh, I know you're across all social media platforms as well. But yeah, no, I, I've very much enjoyed getting to meet you. I've glad you and I have been able to connect. <laughs> I felt very alone in this uh, podcasting atmosphere when I first started and. Uh, you know, getting to getting to meet you, getting to know you, and to know your podcast, and know that you are local here to Utah too, has been it's been a real pleasure. And so, I'm very excited to have you on today's show.
1: Uh, thanks, man. I'm, I was super excited to know that there was someone else like me out there uh, trying to make it into this industry because it's so hard to do. Because everyone and their mother wants to go into free movies. <laughs>
0: <It's>, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's become more apparent now than ever. Ever since uh, you you really kind of showed me how to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, it's still a learning experience for both of us and it's still like so hard to do either way. Right. Uh, it's just so difficult. Like everything about it is like since, because everyone wants to do this, then it's so, uh, tight knit, you know? Right. Uh, it's a right. net hole to get into. It's like, a. it's trying to make a straw going through a, a needle hole, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I and it, just kind of. Getting to know you more, I've, I've definitely learned more of the ins and outs to this industry. But uh, So since, since I've gotten to know you, but our listeners haven't, let's, let's go ahead and do some get to know you questions, Sean, so our listeners can get to know who and what kind of movie critic you are, right? Now it's time for some get to know you questions.
1: Oh gosh, I'm scared now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sean, question number one. What is your desert island movie?
1: My desert island movie and don't judge is the Mummy from 1998.
0: Oh man, with Brandon Fraser.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I freaking love that movie. There is no, there is no sin to that movie. I don't care what anyone says. That is my favorite movie.
0: It's a very rewatchable movie. It's got, it's kind of just got a little bit of everything, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing that I like about it. Um, and I wish a lot of Marvel movies and DC movies could like learn from this formula is that it had a love story, but it wasn't like an hour dedicated to the love story and yeah. just 10 minutes of action. Um, it has action. It had quote unquote horror in it as well. It was just so well made. I loved every and I still do. I love every single part of that movie. I've introduced it to my kids just because it's like you have to you have to know what this movie is.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that great choice, man. Great choice. Okay, question
1: number 2. What is your favorite movie theater snack? Um, I love eating M&Ms and popcorn. Those those are my go-to every single time.
0: Hey man, you and me both. You and me both. Uh, for me, there's no gr- there's no better uh, snack combination than M Ms and popcorn. <laughs>
1: and, and something actually that you cannot find in Utah, but you can find in New York is curly fries in a movie theater. Oh, really? I love movie theater, yeah. Wow, oh, man. So- Come and it's on, not just step like, up your
0: game, Utah.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hey guys, let's let's get to it. Curly fries, and it's not like plain curly fries with like Cajun seasoning on it. It's like spicy curly fries. Oh. They are delicious,
0: dude. You've won me over already. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to convince Megaplex or Cinemark to get on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, we already know how Cinemark deals with things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's another story for another
0: time. So, let's let's go let's go to question number 3. All right, Sean, what was the first movie that ever made you
1: cry? Um I don't remember what was the first movie that ever made me cry, but recently Yeah, let's hear your most recent. Uh 13 Hours, actually. Uh the story of the uh the soldiers in Benghazi. Oh, really? I oh, yeah, I didn't see that movie um it's so good
0: oh wait 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 wait! 13 hours that's with uh oh gosh what what's um the office yeah it's from yeah jim jim from the office (laughs) yeah oh dude oh man excellent choice i love that movie what a great movie
1: yeah everything about them that's another movie that's like perfect i don't care what you tell me
0: yeah, no, so my wife, she actually, uh, that was a birthday present from last year. She got that for me, and uh, yeah, and so we actually watched it together, and it, I was impressed. I was actually really impressed. You know, it, it's kind of sad. A lot of those, um, really, any movie that deals with war or, uh, I guess, kind of more soldier-type movies, they usually get hammered by critics. I, I don't know why. There's like a vendetta against war movies, but 13 Hours was a great movie. Yeah, great choice, man.
1: Thanks, man. And and it's usually the the reason they knock it so hard is because they're like, oh yeah, this is a pro war movie, and we we hate pro war. And it's like, actually, if you really pay attention to movies like Saving Private Ryan, um, even Dunkirk that's coming out soon, um, Thirteen Hours, these are not uh even American Sniper, these are not pro war movies. These are no. actually anti war movies. Right. Right. I
0: Well, yeah. And, and, oh gosh, the the movie's definitely uh, cry worthy, you know, let, let the waterworks flow. And there's, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, yeah, just get ready. But yeah, I'm with you. There's nothing about the movie that is like pro war or pro, uh, I guess, conflict. It, it, on the contrary, it shows you how terrible it is, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really does.
0: All right. Okay. Awesome. All right, Sean. Uh, Question number four, uh, do you have a favorite movie director and or
1: actor? Um, I have a lot of good, like, I love a lot of actors, um, and a lot of few directors. So I have like three, um, number one, I would say Kevin Smith as a director. Um, number two would be Edgar Wright and number three, just to be stereotypical, JJ Abrams.
0: (laughs) I don't think it's very stereotypical. I think that, I think he's, (laughs) I think he's a quality director, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay, Sean, let's do our last question. All right, if you could, if you could change the ending of any one movie, which would it be, and how would you
1: change it? Oh man. Okay. Um, did you watch As Above, So Below? No, I, was, I, I don't think I did. Uh-uh. Okay. So major spoiler. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they basically go to the catacombs of Paris, right? This is a quick synopsis as well. They go into the catacombs of Paris, and apparently, it's probably the doorway to hell, and a lot of bad stuff happens. So at the end, right, um, they come out of a uh, a manhole and they're like pretty much in in front of the Eiffel Tower and everything worked out fine and everything was okay, and everybody was happy. I would end that uh, because the movie was so good at terrifying the hell out of me um, that I think it would have been a lot better if as they go, quote unquote, above into you know the next level or the next the street to a happy ending. Right. It would actually be everything reversed. So it would be anti Earth. You know, or they'll be in a deeper level of hell, which means more hellish things are going to happen to them, setting it up for a good sequel of like someone's sister or brother, oh. like you know, The Conjuring. Not The Conjuring. Is what this, was the other one? Is this the kind garage. of like
0: like a play on Dante's Inferno, like the different
1: levels of hell and things like that? It wasn't. Um, but that's how I would have ended it where huh. you got into a, a deeper level of hell.
0: Oh, okay. So,
1: yeah. I mean, it was a good movie. Like I have, that's another movie for a horror movie <laughs> into the market. I cannot complain about it. And there's, there's a lot of horror movies out there that are absolutely garbage. Um, but this one was actually a really good one and I think it was rated PG 13. So it wasn't even much of a, of huh. a horror. It was more of a, uh, of a thriller of psychological thriller mixed with some like horror elements. Right. Uh, horror today it's usually rated R and it's usually um torture porn. Right. And that's what I'm so happy that it wasn't torture porn. I was glad about that actually. So What was the name that, of the movie? Uh, as above so below.
0: Oh okay. Okay, cool. All right. All right, well Sean excellent answers man. So uh let's let's go ahead and move on to our next segment and that is introducing this week's movie. Backseat Directors presents this week's movie. And obviously, to no surprise, this week's movie is Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: Movie details. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal. That's who he is. A vigilante. A public menace. What's he doing on my front page?
0: With great power comes great responsibility. The young Peter Parker, who made his sensational debut in Captain America Civil War, begins to navigate his newfound identity as the web-slinging superhero in Spider-Man Homecoming. Thrilled by his experience with the Avengers, Peter returns home where he lives with his Aunt May under the watchful eye of his new mentor, Tony Stark. Peter tries to fall back into the normal daily routine, distracted by thoughts of proving himself to be more than just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but when the Vulture emerges as a new villain... Everything that Peter holds most important will be threatened. Spider-Man: Homecoming was released in US theaters on July 7th, 2017, and it has a running time of 2 hours and 13 minutes. It is rated PG-13 for sci-fi uh, sci-fi action violence, some language and brief suggestive comments. So, for parents who are curious to know if this movie is appropriate for younger viewers, Um, My sister and her husband, they allowed their three boys to come and watch the movie with us, and they range anywhere from age 7 to 10, so I'll let you guys uh, take that for what you will. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming stars Tom Holland as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, or The Vulture, and Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Robert Downey Jr. has a small role in the movie as Tony Stark. Jacob uh, Batalon as Ned, the best friend to Peter Parker, and Laura Harrier as Liz. Spider-Man Homecoming is directed by John Watts, and this really is Watts' big screen breakout movie. Uh, he has directed a couple other films previously, but most uh, most notably the 2015 film starring Kevin Bacon called Cop Car. But other than that, not much. Spider-Man Homecoming had a production budget of $175 million, And the domestic box office weekend debut brought in over $117 million, with the total global box office sales surpassing already $257 million. This movie has done very well already and might be able to stay in the number one position for a couple more weeks. Okay, listeners, even though I have touched on this in in a previous episode, our first episode of What's Hot with Life of Films, I'm going to give a little bit of background for those of you who uh, who may not know how complicated it was to actually make this Spider-Man movie. So get ready. Buckle up. Long story short, in the early 1990s, the Marvel comic book company was struggling financially. So they decided to sell the movie rights to their comic book characters to various movie studios the first Marvel character licensed to be made into a movie was blade filmed and produced by new line cinema in 1998 In 1999 Marvel licensed the spider-man character to Sony and they released the first spider-man movie in 2002 starring Tobey Maguire after the success of other comic book movies such as X-Men filmed and produced by Fox in 2000 and then spider-man in the following years by Sony, Marvel decided to begin to self-finance their own movies and stop selling their characters to other studios. In 2005, Marvel Studios was able, to begin, uh, was able to gain back the rights to Iron Man from New Line Cinema and then The Incredible Hulk in 2006. Marvel Studios then began to plan one of the largest and most intricate designs ever imagined and weaving multiple movies, stories, and characters into one cohesive cinematic universe which subsequently came to be known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the MCU. This began with the debut of Iron Man in 2008 and has since followed with 15 Marvel movies that all tie together, which, uh, with characters overlapping and stories connecting one to the next. The culmination of all of these movies have been the Avenger movies, uh, which have all of the Marvel superheroes uh, fighting together. However... There has been one big glaring absence, and that has been that of Spider-Man. The reason I am giving this background information is because the right to Spider-Man, the rights to uh, to film Spider-Man, are still owned by Sony, and yet he is now actually officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in an article um, by The Verge magazine in 2015, it gives a little bit more background as to how this actually works. Quote. But the agreement doesn't mean that Sony is giving up the movie rights to the character. The studio will continue to finance, distribute, own, and have final creative control of standalone Spider-Man films. But Marvel Studios will be coming in to co-produce the next entry, which became Spider-Man Homecoming. To wrap up this long and complicated web of big studio money and power, Spider-Man is a Marvel comic book character that Marvel does not have the ability to make movies of, but Sony does. Sony does not want to relinquish those rights, but they are willing to share the pie. It's a total mess, but they've made it work, and Spider-Man Homecoming are the fruits of the labor. So listeners, be sure to stay tuned after my review with Sean to hear what our audience thought about the movie and to get their take on it. Backseat Directors Movie Review okay Sean so let's uh let's jump into this movie review you and I we actually got to go see this movie together along with basically my entire family
1: <laughs> great people by the way I love your mom by the way she was awesome
0: <laughs> well thanks I appreciate it yeah she's she's a sweetheart and very very kind person but uh yeah so um thanks thanks for you know putting up with my whole family thanks for crashing the party <laughs> and uh um but this is actually you know the third movie that you and I've gone to see together so it's that was pretty fun but uh I want to know, what what were your kind of thoughts and feelings leading up to Spider-Man Homecoming?
1: So, leading up to it, I was um, excited for it. I really wanted to see what they were bringing to the table. Um, I was really curious as to how were they going to explain, you know, um, the origin story. Because we, we got introduced to Spider-Man in Civil War. Um, right, right. And so there was already a Spider-Man established in the universe. So I wanted to know what if they were going to give us a timeline and they actually gave us a timeline very discreetly too. they were like, well, this happened eight years ago and this happened two years ago. So now we know where everything takes place. So Civil War uh, takes place eight years after Age of Ultron. So that was pretty cool, actually. Uh, to understand and now we know that uh, spider-man homecoming is just a few months after civil war so i thought that was pretty cool to to do and that was one of my curiosities that got answered Uh, so i was i was excited and a little uh concerned as to how they were going to do the story
0: so were you a fan of the previous spider-mans with uh, the three with toby Maguire or in the two with andrew garfield
1: um I was a huge fan. Um again, the first Spider Man, the very first Spider Man movie that ever came out was when I was a kid. Um, I think. Yeah. Um so I really, really liked them. Um I really like Spider Man one. I really love Spider Man two. Uh and then Spider Man Three came out when I was like seventeen, I think it was, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. So the melodrama of three, which <laughs> was a Mexican novella. I was like, I really couldn't live without this. Like I don't need this experiment never happened yeah. in my mind. <laughs> and if I do recall, I recall that it was a terrible, terrible movie, and it should have never happened. Um so those are my opinion of those three. And then the Ar- Andrew Garfield ones, I think they were great. Um and they could have been so much more if he would have just kept his mouth shut. Um <laughs> and not <get> fired. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Now I I'm with you. Uh I remember when the first Toby Maguire Spider-Man movie came out. I think it was like 2001 or 2002 and and it was kind of it was kind of the first time those you know, the big blockbuster type superhero movies I remember got kicked off. You know, and from then on it's like we've gotten superhero movies every single year. Um but for me it was kind of a big deal. I I I it was right around the time when CGI was really coming into form. Um, and I was, I was just, I remember being very impressed by that movie the first time I saw it and I am with you. I enjoyed the rest of the movies. Number three was definitely subpar, um, (laughs) with Venom, uh, and the Andrew Garfield movies, they were very different from the Tobey Maguire ones, but I enjoyed them. And so, you know, a Spider-Man having this being the third actor to play him the third in 15 years and the fifth no sixth spider-man movie yeah in 15 years that's a lot that is a lot but obviously there are the circumstances surrounding marvel studios or marvel the comic book company selling the movie rights off to sony to make spider-man you know so once marvel studios began and marvel started making their own superhero movies they couldn't make a spider-man movie because they didn't own the rights anymore so Um, I, I don't know all the details that are behind, uh, the, this collaborative effort between Sony and Marvel studios, but I'm sure glad it happened.
1: (laughs) So happy it happened, especially since Marvel actually had their hand involved in the process of, of this Spider-Man movie. And I think out of the three actors that have played Peter Parker, I think Tom Holland has hit the note a lot better than the other two
0: yes yeah and I guess tell me your reasons why I have one big one but tell me yours
1: uh primarily he looks like he was a teenager <laughs> so quarrels no with with like uh how old he looks and how old he pretends to be right and that's the part he actually acts like this spider-man movie he acts like a damn teenager you gotta want to punch him in the face well it's he t- yeah it's p- t-
0: yeah, well, and sorry, sorry, Sean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, Tom, Tom Holland was 18 years old when, when he was filming Spider-Man, so he is a teenager, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: It was just so good. Everything about it was just so good, and, and the way he portrayed uh, a clumsy kid was perfect.
0: Yeah, so I guess my expectations going into this, I, I think I just kind of had just... You know, just kind of that medium level. Like I, I, I wasn't getting into the hype. I didn't want to get my expectations high. Um, you know, but I, I was excited to see the movie. So after seeing the movie, Sean, what, what was your initial impression after we finished the movie? What'd you
1: think? Um. Oh, well, that was a little loud. I think um, it was good. It was another Marvel movie that we needed. This is. I think this was the formula that. Um, A lot of the studios, Marvel and DC, needs to follow for their superhero movies because it was good. We don't need to get – for example, if they're going to do another Batman movie, they don't need to do the whole beginning again because we already know the Batman beginnings. And if you don't, then stop living under a rock. Um, (laughs) But for example, um, Wonder Woman, the way they did her story is very similar to the way they did um, Spider-Man this time around where they didn't really focus so much on a origin story, but because she was introduced previously, they touched upon it and then they moved forward. Um, So when we're going to get a Green Lantern movie, maybe they should introduce him somewhere else. And then we move on from that. So I loved everything from it. Um, Of course, like a lot of the Marvel movies, and I think I told you this when we got out, like Days of Future Past and a few other movies, there's about 30 minutes of absolute boringness and trying to get this character developed a lot more so he could rise up to the occasion of the hero. Um, and it happened in, in Spider-Man Homecoming. But this is the trademark of, a, like, a very good hero movie. There's 30 minutes they don't know what to do, so they have to develop him a little more. And then, boom, we have perfection at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I'm with you. I, I my So my medium to low expectations of the movie... Uh, we're not just met, but they were exceeded. I, I, I very much enjoyed this movie and, and I'm with you. It, it, there is a formula that I think that they have found within this Spider-Man movie. That's different than the other Marvel movies. Um, I, I think one of the biggest knocks that Marvel movies get, especially from, you know, kind of the more casual moviegoers, people that aren't so invested in the entire comic book genre and, you know, really following the comic book characters. But, um, that they're just kind of the same and they're predictable, you know? So whether you're watching a Captain America movie, Thor or Iron Man, you know exactly what to expect. And so for me, Spider-Man was refreshing. I I thought it was a great way to uh, capitalize on what they were able to do in Civil War by having, you know, really five to ten minutes of Spider-Man appear in that movie and to really further his story. So it was refreshing. I enjoyed it. And yeah, I'm glad we went. I'm totally glad we went. So, um, I'm so I'm, happy that we went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's let's go ahead and do our critique, Sean, and get kind of uh, the sour taste out of our mouth first, and then we'll jump into our highlights.
1: All right. Um, you want me to start it off, or do you want to go off?
0: Well, I'll go ahead and go first, and then uh, and yeah, and and, and then I'll let you go first on highlights. So for my critiques, though, uh, my critiques were. Uh, very few actually um i'm sure other hardcore movie critics could find you know more nitpicky things to uh uh you know tear at this movie i guess but uh, the ones that i i chose were kind of the ones that were glaring and i actually talked about uh these critiques with my wife on the drive back home after the movie but i think one of the biggest things that marvel messed up on in this movie or marvel sony i guess uh was the character of aunt may and and uh not not that they messed up in choosing Marissa Tomei to play Aunt May because I thought I thought it was it, it was a fine choice to have Marissa Tomei play Aunt May and to make Aunt May younger. You know, because in the Tobey Maguire movies, Aunt May is like an old lady. And you mm-hmm. kind of feel like she's more of like a grandma than his aunt. But the way that they wrote Aunt May in this movie uh, I, I thought was a big disservice to her character. So – Instead of creating a real emotional connection between Aunt May and Peter Parker, because Aunt May is really the only family he has left, um, they, they, they made her more like a big sister. And so instead of one, – one of the things I really liked about the Tobey Maguire movies is that is that Peter Parker has – he feels a sense of responsibility for Aunt May because of what happened to Uncle Ben, Right. And in this movie, I, I don't care that they didn't talk about Uncle Ben. Everybody knows that story, but he, there was no emotional or family connection that I felt that was sincere and genuine between the two. And I think it was just because Aunt May wasn't she wasn't an important character in the movie. She was really just the brunt of jokes. So anytime Aunt May was brought in, in brought up in the movie, it's because someone's someone's saying that she's hot. Oh, you have a young hot aunt. And so I was expecting her to be a strong female presence in the movie and to have her kind of like in that leading actress role. But she wasn't. And and she instead of having her be an important role in Peter's life or an important character in the movie, she's just the brunt of jokes. Like the only time you ever hear people talking about Aunt May is when the waiter is hitting on her, and giving her a free meal or Tony Stark is saying, Oh, wow. Your aunt's really hot. Like it, it's just, it, for me, I didn't like that. I, I, I thought they could have done a much better job to have Marissa Tomei play a stronger role. And so that was the most glaring one, uh, that, uh, that really stood out to me. But, um, the other one, and this is more nitpicky I think just because it, it's more about, I guess what's true to the comics was how they depicted flash. So I'm okay with making the characters, uh, more diverse. And, and I, <laughs> this is another thing I was talking about with my wife is that, you know, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man story takes place in New York and what, what more diverse place in the country is there than New York city. Right. And so I'm okay that they made, you know, um, all the different characters, uh, I guess more eth- eth- ethnically diverse that was fine and I don't care that Flash was played by what I think I think was an Indian character or Indian actor I, I don't know who he was but Flash though in the comics and in the other movies he's he's like a jock he's an athlete he's a big buff guy right but they make Flash be more of a in uh, more the uh, nerdy geeky intelligent Person, you know who was a part of their their um uh, what was it the the uh the not the mathletes what was it the the decat the academic decathlon i guess uh that peter parker was a part of and that that was not true to the flash character uh and how he's written in the comics and so because flash is supposed to be kind of like this side antagonist of peter parker I, I, I didn't like how they portrayed his character, but for me, those are my two biggest critiques. I, anything you want to add on that, or do you have some separate ones you want to go over?
1: Um, as far as the, the, the Flash character, um, I totally hated it. Um, yeah. So, actually, the guy playing Flash, his name is Anthony Quinones. He's actually Guatemalan. Oh, uh,
0: oh goodness. <laughs> I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I mean, he
1: looked, yeah, he, he looked um, Indian. And I get the Indian thing all the time too, yeah. so don't, He is a Guatemalan American dude. Um, and he and the issue that I have with it was that the reason why Peter and Flash have issues is because Flash is this big, big buff dude, taller than Peter, um, has the ability to make fun of him. Um, but in Spider Man Homecoming, I think Tom Holland was slightly taller than flash
0: yes yeah 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 because flash is supposed to be he's supposed to be like the total opposite of peter parker in every way right correct yeah
1: he's he's not bright so there's no reason for him to be part of this team of the what is it the The academic yeah decathlon yeah i mean flash would have never been even caught dead there not even for a girl um and even if they were going to put him there they should have had um, some type of like second motive to, for him to be there not just to be against Peter um, because that's not what Flash was about Flash was about you know sports football particularly so he's a big quarterback dude um, cheerleaders this was Flash not some skinny dude who DJs and just like saying penis Parker I know oh my gosh yeah.
0: yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, um, aside from that, one of my b- biggest issues with the movie in general was the character of, um, Zendana, I think her name is, if I'm saying it right, even, uh, Z- Zendaya. Yeah. Um, her- yeah.
0: I think it's Zendaya.
1: Um, she promoted this movie as hard as Tom Holland did. You know, they were going everywhere and I thought that I was going to see a lot more of her in the movie. Right. Um, and we didn't at all like she was just there. There was no reason for her to be there. Um, I, I almost missed her originally when she was introduced. I was like, oh, wait, that's her. Um, so her character of Michelle had really no purpose there. It, it was not a love interest for for Peter. Um, she was not a secret superhero. Um, there was nothing for her there. And then but then all of a sudden. Uh, towards the end, we get a piece of information that was completely opposite to what we are used to. Uh,
0: so, well, and yeah, let's just uh, and maybe we'll save that for for the audience. But um, um, her her character name in the movie is Michelle. It's Michelle. Right. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I mean, did you felt like you were misled in any way? Like, are we supposed to believe? opposite like what what were your feelings on that
1: um i i think they're just going a different route um i would even been okay with her playing um the his other love interest which i totally forgot her gwen
0: oh yeah gwen Uh uh-huh yeah
1: was i was honestly when when they were gonna like oh what's your name i was thinking she was gonna say gwen and i would have been okay with that that would have been a totally different thing but the fact that they, they it was just Michelle. I, I i don't know what the heck they're doing with this. I know. Just to find out because they did such a good job with the movie in general. I'm really curious to know what what is her precision later.
0: Right, right. A- a- any other critiques that you had?
1: Um, uh, not that I can remember right now. I th- I thought the movie was actually very well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the end may thing was a huge issue as well, just because. Aunt May is supposed to be this mother figure, not this friend figure, um, that uh, essentially guides him to be a better Spider-Man without her knowing. Right. And in a sense from from what I remember from the animated uh, cartoons and from the comic books was that Aunt May, even though she didn't know, it was like she always knew that Peter was Spider-Man, and it was always that that doubt: does she know? Does she not know? Because she's telling him things that are like trivial to the um, his enemy right now. Right. So does she really know? Um, right. so that was that was kinda weird. And and Marissa Tomain, I mean I understand she needs to put food on the table, but she they could have chosen I think they could have chosen someone better. Someone oh, really? older. Oh yeah. Hmm. I I mean yeah I think they should have chosen someone completely better in that just because um uh, Marissa Domain does not look like Aunt May at all. <laughs> There's nothing about Aunt May in her. She's not old enough to be Aunt May. She's, uh, she's not motherly enough, I guess you could say, on the screen. No, not be. at all. Um, and it was, and like you said, it was, she was more like an older sister that wanted to be cool with her son, yes, uh, brother. And the only Aunt May thing that she had were the glasses, yeah, which actually made her look like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't even close enough to what I what we needed to see from Aunt May.
0: Yeah, I know. And I'm with you. I just I I think it really it diminished the Ant May character a lot. And I I just thought it was a big disservice. So, yeah, so I'm with you. Um, Okay, so uh, honestly, and and outside of those, I really didn't have too much to critique the movie on. Um, I think there are way more highlights than there are critiques. But uh, let's just let's just touch on a few of them. Uh, But you go ahead first and then I'll let you know uh, what mine were.
1: All right. So for the highlights, knowing the character of the vulture, I think that they did a very good job explaining how is it that the vulture is flying around. I liked the um, they incorporated something of the feathers from the cartoons into the movie, which was his uh, his bomber jacket had those those little uh, that fur around his neck. Right. They incorporated that because in the in the comic books. Um, and in the cartoon vulture looks like a vulture he he's a bold-headed dude yeah uh, ugly skinny and he's wears like this leotard tight suit that has (laughs) feathers on it and around his neck he has those feathers just like a vulture does so the fact that they had that bomber jacket with the fur in it kind of explained it a lot better what it was yeah i think it was good i really liked that yeah Um, i
0: loved his outfit i thought it was a great costume
1: yeah, and I mean the the fact that they're explaining how is it that he's flying, he's basically stealing uh, these pieces from what happened in Age of Ultron. Um, I thought that was great. Yes. Uh, just because we're not getting this this weird character, and we're not getting into um, the territory of mutants and other you know weird explanations that they tend to have occasionally, where it's like, oh yeah, he just found some piece, or they just don't even bother explaining it. They. They gave an origin story. They they forgot to do... They didn't forget. They avoided the origin story for Peter Parker, and they did an origin story for the Vulture. I thought that was awesome. Um, the Another tip of the hat that I really liked, one of my favorite villains from Spider-Man was the Shocker. Um, Ooh, especially yeah. in the Spider-Man video game for Nintendo 64, he was one of the enemies that he had to fight. And he's one of the most difficult ones. And he's also one of the most interesting um, villains that there are. So one thing that if you're not a fan of the animated series or you've never watched it or you've never read the comic books, uh, the shocker dresses in yellow, black and red, I believe. And if you notice when the original shocker, right, the, which I thought was the brother of the vulture originally, mm-hmm. uh, when this guy gets, it's, it's, um, it's with childish Gambino or with Donald Glover in the, under the, uh, the bridge and they're trying to make the deal. You could see very clearly his, um, his sleeves are yellow and they are in a cross pattern. Oh cool. Is, yeah, that is actually an homage to the original costume for the Shocker.
0: No, that's uh, awesome. I didn't notice that in the movie.
1: It was totally cool. And so when he's leaving and, you know, things happen to him and they give it to the other character who becomes the new Shocker, the sleeves go with him. So it's kind of part of that um that shocking th- mechanism that he has to right. punch po- Right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like I picked that up immediately. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> like the costume." And yeah. one thing I guess this would be part of a critique that I have a, a bit of an issue is I would like I would like to see those costumes come to life. Um, there's no reasons why we should not be able to see those things come to life. Um, like the Shockers costume, we were able to see the Vulture in other movies. We've seen the Rhino. Um, we've seen Venom. You know, we should be able to see those costumes instead of the them like. So I was super happy to see just a piece of it. And I was hoping that he would like don the rest of it at some point in the movie. Unfortunately, he did not. Um, but I love Peter's attitude about everything and how he's trying to to learn to be the superhero. Right. How he's trying to be better. Not better, but he's trying to be like Iron Man. Right. And right. it's like, nah, bro, you like you have to be better. Um, and eventually we see that. So those were my highlights that I that are more important to me about Spider Man homecoming.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this is one of the most well written movies that Marvel has done. Um, I think this is the sixteenth movie. In the quote unquote Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, where they all the Marvel characters tie together. Um, But Tom Holland, what his character was written in such a way that you really felt immersed into his teenage world to where he he was going through things in his life uh, that, you know, if you were to look back on your 15 year old self that you would feel very strongly about you know and and there was real emotion be- behind his trials and the dilemmas that he has and, and that he faces uh throughout the movie uh you know there's a point where he tears up and the tears seem very genuine and and so i, I honestly i love that they casted tom holland he really is a great fit for the peter parker character and, and, you, and I, you and I already talked about it, that he's a teenager. Finally, they have a teenager playing a teenager and not a 25, 28-year-old trying to pretend that he's 15. You know, And so uh, that, that's got to be one of my biggest highlights. I'm going back to Michael Keaton and what you said about him and his Vulture character. This has got to be one of the greatest villains in any of the Marvel movies because he's not a true villain. He, he, Vulture is not trying to take over the world. He's not trying to seek power in the limelight. He's just trying to make his way in life and carve out his piece of the pie. And because that's all he's trying to do, he's a much more complex villain instead of these kind of really expendable ones that they throw at you every single movie that you know is going to be there for the movie and then he's going to be gone, you know? So, and and Michael Keaton, gosh, so glad that he was chosen to play Vulture. Michael Keaton is... (laughs) he he is he is one of the most unheralded great actors of our generation um love his performance as vulture really did a great job and and not to give anything away to our listeners who maybe not have seen the movie but you'll know what i'm talking about my favorite scene of the movie was the car ride the car ride was the (laughs) most intense and suspenseful part of the movie and my favorite i loved that scene so good it was so good So, um, Tom Holland, Michael Keane, the casting was excellent and yeah, I'm with you. I just, I I think not having, it it was an origin story, but not a, a, you know, a detailed origin story. We finally got to see Spider-Man. We finally got his own movie. He's in the Marvel cinematic universe. He's a part of the team, you know, and, and thank goodness. It's not a tag team movie with Spider-Man and Iron Man. Yes, Iron Man. uh, Iron Man is in the movie, but don't worry, this is a Spider Man movie.
1: (laughs) So we're worried about that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people were. I mean, just because of how much he, Iron Man and Tony Stark, is featured in the trailers and on the posters, you know. But but yeah, don't worry, listeners. This is very much a Spider Man movie. So. There's much to be liked about this movie. I think you and I could go on and on about all the different things we like. But I, I think one of the last, this is actually a new thing that I've added into the podcast. And so um, I, I like to talk about kind of deeper aspects of the movie and of the story itself, just outside of the whole comic book genre. But uh, really, what are some of the, uh, uh, I guess, more uh, relatable messages and personal messages or themes that you took away from this movie?
1: Um, for me, I, I took away that, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that stereotypical message that Spider-Man always brought, I think one of them was that it's okay to mess up. And it's, a, and it's even better to learn from your mess ups and to become better than those who have taught you.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that, really good one. Yeah, no, I I, I really like that one, and and, and I, I, honestly, I, I think I'm gonna piggyback off of yours a little bit too. Uh, for me, some of the overall messages that I took from the movie is that uh, there are things that each of us will go through in our lives that will be very challenging, and it will test us, and it will test us to the core, and show us really what kind of person we are and what kind of character we have. And, and sometimes that these challenges can seem overwhelming and they can seem, you know, like, like we just, we don't have the strength to do it. And, and I'm not just talking about physical strength, but maybe, you know, kind of perseverance and stuff like that. But, you know, Spider-Man and Peter Parker, he goes through some really difficult things and, and he's going to be left on his own. And the question is, you know, what kind of person are you on when you're alone uh, and no one else is around you, you know? And and so uh, there are just there are some parts of the movie that I thought were done very well. And those were some of the messages that I took away. So um, overall, an excellent movie. So, Sean, let's go ahead and move to the last segment. And that is our recommendation. Our recommendation. So for you, Sean, let's give our backseat director's recommendation is this a go see it, maybe wait or no go.
1: No go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> definitely see it. Um, don't wait till Tuesday, $5. It's definitely worth a, a full $12. Um, it, it was really good. It was very entertaining. It has positive messages, positive vibes all over. You're going to see characters that um, you've seen in other movies or um, in music industries. It was a really well-made movie, and there's nothing that you could knock it for.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. My recommendation is a go see it, and and I agree, it is worth the full price of admission. You know, don't don't wait for a matinee or a family night on Tuesday night, <laughs> whatever the discount night is, wherever you guys live. But uh, this is this is a great movie, a great addition to some of the good summer movies we've already had. Um, definitely go see it. It's worth seeing in theaters. And so, yeah, uh, I think that's a reendorsement from both of us, Sean. So, uh, um, all right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading today's episode. Sean, why don't you give our listeners a, um, uh, a chance to follow you on social media and how they can get a hold of you?
1: For sure. Um, you could go ahead and read our read our podcast. I was going to say, you could read our blog over at real, R-E-E-L, beardednews.blogspot.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. They're all Real Bearded News. Um, Twitter specifically is real underscore bearded underscore news. Um, and yeah, follow us and like our pages. And you'll be able to find out when we're doing our contest, if our giveaways. And stay tuned to any recent things that we're going to do. Hey, well, Sean, thank you so much. Sean, and, and and thanks
0: thanks for taking time out of your Sunday away from your family. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun, so thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me again, man. I really appreciate it going out with you. Um, it's always fun going out and watch movies with you and critiquing them like immediately right after. So <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I most definitely will have you again on the podcast sometime soon. And uh, um, But yeah, listeners, make sure you go follow Real Bearded, Bearded News on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Make sure you download and subscribe to their podcast, uh, to Sean's podcast. And uh, yeah, th- make sure you subscribe to Backseat Directors. You can find us on itunes google play stitcher podbean and really any other place that you uh, download your podcasts, and uh, make sure to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook as well thanks for listening leave us a review hope you guys enjoyed this podcast review of spider-man homecoming and we'll see you guys next week at the movies the backseat director's theme song is let's go to the movies by ozo motley you can find the album, Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids, and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Andre, Backseat Directors. We're here with two members of the audience. Just got out of Spider-Man Homecoming, and they're going to give us their take on the movie. So your first name, one word to describe the movie, and if you think it's worth seeing in theaters, okay?
1: Hannah, uh, Extraordinary, and it's definitely worth seeing.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Hannah. Paige, amazing, and it's totally worth seeing. Thank you, Paige. Thanks, guys. Thanks for staying. Okay, everyone, I'm here with my nephews, and they're going to tell us what they thought of the movie, okay? Okay, so hey, just say your name. One word that you think describes the movie, okay? Just one word, and if you think spider-man and if you think if if you think people should see it in theaters okay okay say your name my name is ethan i think it was awesome i think you guys should see it thank you ethan aiden say your name one word to describe the movie and if you think people should see it in theaters um my name is aiden i really love spider-man it was super funny i think you all should go see it awesome thanks buddy okay keats it's your turn Okay, tell everybody your first name.
1: Keaton.
0: Say one word that you think describes Spider-Man, okay?
1: Um
0: uh, he's amazing. Okay, and do you think people should see in theaters? Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Well thanks, Keats. <laughs> and then what was the other one? And if you think it's worth seeing in theaters. Okay. okay, we are here with one more member of the audience and he's gonna give us his quick take, alright? My name is Danny. The movie was sweet. Definitely see it in theaters. Danny, thank you. Thank you so much.
1: What's the secret to success?
0: Okay, last but not least. All you have to do is say your first name, one word to describe the movie, and if you think it's worth seeing in theaters, okay? Okay.
1: Ready? First name yep. is Chuckaruski. Chuckaruski.
0: Okay, <laughs> 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 one one word to describe the Spider-Man movie. Robinowitz. Okay, okay. And do you think it's worth uh, seeing in theaters for everyone else? Yes. Just don't stay for that Mr. America to say you have patience. <laughs> A ringing endorsement from Chuck O'Reesky. Thank you. <laughs>